0: Welcome to the Adventures Club of Los Angeles. It's Thursday, April 9th. Uh, My name is Rich Mayfield, member 1211. I'm your program chair for this year. Uh, We are still broadcasting during this pandemic, bringing you some some good stories of adventure. Uh, We're operating with a skeleton crew here. There's only three of us here, the minimum number of people to put on a program, I think. Um, We're going to keep broadcasting every week at 745, Um, however, please subscribe to our channel and click the little bell so you can be notified when we post new content. Um, Just as a reminder, this is live. You can watch it later, though, but if you happen to be watching it live, we are going to have a little Q&A session at the end, so uh, throw your questions in the comments, and Andy Medina over there is going to um, field some of those questions at the end. So, tonight, we have Brian Creasy. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking me.
0: So, Brian Creasy um, is our second vice president this year in charge of house and before we get started he's going to give us a couple updates on um basically some of the renovations that are taking place uh while while the club's doors are shut in the background so what what do we got going on
1: well we're trying to finish off the library and we're doing a deep clean organizing artifacts which we have a lot of artifacts yes we do We're finishing working on the ceiling and some lighting and just some things that are going to enhance the experience for members. And then we're updating a couple of displays and just general housekeeping. It's kind of hard during the regular year because, you know, we meet every Thursday. Right, so you got
0: to clean up and be done and basically ready ready to open the doors next week.
1: Yeah, and so the goal is to get enough done that when we open our doors after this... um, COVID-19 virus thing is over with, we're ready to go and we can give our members and their guests an awesome experience.
0: I'm sure the club definitely appreciates you doing all that work. Um, I I heard you're working on a John Goddard exhibit, uh, kind of consolidating all the John Goddard stuff in the club. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about this new John Goddard exhibit that will be unveiled when we open back up?
1: Yeah, so for those of, for people who don't know, John Goddard was one of our most amazing members. He was the first guy to go down the Nile in a kayak. And he went with a team of three people. It was actually featured in this issue in Na- National Geographic from 1955, which we just picked up for the club. So wow. So we have a copy. Is that
0: eBay? You get that?
1: You get everything off eBay, man. It's awesome.
0: All right, so that's going to be part of the exhibit. That's that...
1: going to be part of the exhibit. And Very cool. And we're... Setting up the kayak a couple of members were kind enough to build a new cradle for it and we found a place for The kayak so when you come into the club, it's one of the first things you see and Mr. Goddard spoke. So like I first heard of the club in the early 80s when I was in high school or middle school Okay, and John Goddard would come every year and speak about adventure and he also spoke about goal-setting So he had a life list of things that he wanted to accomplish and then he went through and accomplished most of those goals.
0: It's kind of like the original bucket list. Oh, yeah. Before the bu- bucket list was popular, yeah. there was John Goddard's life list, which I think I like that a little bit better. That's the thing you're, things you're going to do while you're alive as opposed to the things you've got to do before you kick the bucket, right? Oh,
1: yeah. And, but what's cool about it is, like for me, growing up in northern Utah in the early 80s, John Goddard would come and he would have... 16 millimeter film of cr- going down the Amazon or going to going to Egypt or going to all these exotic places and you're like wow there are people who really do this.
0: Yeah I think we have some of that 16 millimeter film sitting around in, in various sure. uh, various places all over this club you know. You open a drawer and you're like oh what's this 16 mil-? holy shit this is John Goddard's mm-hmm. trip down whatever you know.
1: and it But it's just amazing so that's when I first heard of the club and yeah, you know, it was always a goal to like check it out. And so when we moved to Los Angeles, I got caught up in normal life and stuff. And then I was finally able to come in and it was even more amazing than I thought it would be.
0: That's cool. Well, we're definitely looking forward to that, that new exhibit. I think that's uh, a well-deserved exhibit. It's good that we're going to have it right up front. Um, but you didn't come here tonight to talk about that. We do appreciate all the work that you're doing with, uh, with that. Um, so a little bit of your backstory. I know that you're... Um, You're a Sergeant First Class in the Army Reserve, yeah. right? You're a Civil Affairs guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's 38 Bravo. Mm -hmm. your MOS. Um, You did a tour in Iraq Mm -hmm. and a tour in Afghanistan. Yeah. You're a Marine for one of those. Is that right? Yeah, I was
1: in the Marine Corps from 97 to 2006, and I was deployed to Iraq during OIF-2, like 2004, 2005, down in Anbar. And then... I got out, had a break in service, and then joined the Army Reserve. It's a civil affairs specialist. So, It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty So you've been
0: been around the world, and you've done some cool stuff. So what does a civil affairs
1: guy do? I mean, the easiest way to explain it is like Peace Corps with guns. So what will happen is the infantry will go in and take ground, and then we follow up. We give civil assessments on what's happening in that area with the civilian population and Because there's a war, you know, they need food, water, medical care. And then the goal is for us to see what the short-term needs are and hand that off to the host nation as soon as possible, and then we keep moving forward.
0: So basically the hearts and minds making sure that, you know, after we totally decimate an area, we build them back up.
1: We build them back up or we make sure that they're sustainable because the Army is actually, the unit commanders are legally responsible for civilians in their area. And it doesn't make sense to inflict any needless suffering. The United States isn't about that.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so in your free time, when you're not drilling, you're, you're a teacher, right? Yeah, I teach middle school. So you teach middle school. Uh, your Army Reserve, so you do your two weeks, two weeks a year, yeah, one in, week in a month, plus
1: like a lot more, right? Uh, in theory, it's two weeks a year. Yeah. But in actuality, it's more like if I added up the last calendar year, it would be close to about two and a half months of active duty time, yeah. three months active duty. Time. Does the
0: recruiter break that down for you?
1: Yeah, they sometimes they neglect that. They but, neglect that fact. But it's fun. I mean, it's absolutely, cool because you get to hang out with your soldiers and your training. And I mean, I'm a little older, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to work with like younger soldiers. And you're like, wow. Despite all the knocks, Ben, this next generation coming up, they're pretty legit soldiers. I'm yeah. pretty impressed with them. They're
0: I, like I, You know, everybody says this generation or that generation. I think every generation at some point they get to be a certain age and they start throwing that line out there. They're yeah. like, Man, kids these days. <laughs> well, so, so it is cool to see kids these days are still kicking ass in the army. Oh, and, dude, yeah,
1: like the Who said, the kids are all right. <laughs> right.
0: All right. So uh, tonight we brought here you're here to talk about um, peak bagging, mm-hmm. yeah. or just basically climbing peaks, and specifically we want to talk about some peaks in the Southern California area that you've Mm -hmm. gone after and climbed to the top. Um, California is an amazing state. You know, I've said this many a time. You don't have to go far to do some awesome stuff, and that includes mountain climbing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you've done, uh, you know, starting with the small ones, you've done um, San Bernardino Peak, um, uh, Mount Baldy or Mount San Antonio, Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, Boundary Peak, Telescope Peak and the big one, Mount Whitney. Yeah. Right. So, so let's start by talking about um, the first peak you did. I think you told me that it was uh, Boundary Peak. Is that right?
1: That's the first one we did successfully. Yeah. Successfully.
0: Okay. So, so what was the first? So, first of all, how do you how do you define a peak, right? Because I can go out and hike Saddleback Mountain or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like five thousand, six thousand feet or, I I'm, I'm not sure, but it's not very tall, right? Is that what? 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 What's your like cutoff? for when a peak uh, becomes worth it to, to go after, as opposed to a casual day hike?
1: Um, I, for me, it's 10,000 feet or higher. All right. So, I mean, a lot of 9,000s, 8,000s, and they're all, you know, depending on, like, how vertical it is, those are pretty legit, too. But for me, I go with 10,000 feet or higher because okay. then you're getting into just the numbers drop off. I mean, we're spoiled here in California, but, like, if you look at the rest of the United States... Like aside from you know Colorado Utah the West there aren't a lot of big mountains in the United States.
0: Right. So what was the first one that you did unsuccessfully?
1: Oh, that was Whitney.
0: So 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 the first out of the gate you're like I'm going to start climbing some big mountains. I'm going to pick a um one above ten thousand feet and you picked the biggest one, right? And yeah. can can we get that picture of Mount Whitney up there? Look look at that.
1: Yeah, so one.
0: That, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, 14,505 feet.
1: Yeah. Well, we only got to about 12,000 feet. We got our asses completely kicked on that one. It hurt our feelings bad.
0: Okay. So, so I, I guess you got a challenge. So let's come back to Mount Whitney and talk about uh, the first one that you successfully climbed, which was? Um, boundary. Boundary Peak. So let's get a look at Boundary Peak there. Now, yeah. we, we said we were going to be talking about Southern California peaks. Is Boundary Peak in California?
1: No, it's like right over the border for Nevada. So it's the highest peak in Nevada.
0: Okay. And, and you climbed it successfully.
1: Yeah, we climbed it. It was, well, what had happened was after we ate shit on um, Whitney, we, I started training. So like, you know, more of a training regimen. So, um, so I started running um, half marathons. Okay. And at one point I was running like maybe two half marathons a month. Okay. And so, and then also Griffith Park has a lot of like nice little hills and stuff that you can practice on. So we're going out and practicing on like little smaller hikes, and then we wanted to go to um, Whitney that next year because it beat us up last time, but we didn't get a permit. We couldn't pull a permit. Okay. And Boundary, you just show up and walk, so nobody. So this it
0: but okay. So if we're looking at this peak here, I see I see two peaks. Which one of those is Boundary?
1: Um, I want to say, and I'm not completely sure, is it's the second one? Let's pop that one. Let's pop that graphic up there. So it.
0: Left or right? What are we looking at?
1: Um, looking on this one right here, I want to say it's the left peak. Boundaries left. As I was, check your fire. It's the right peak. But no, okay, what's the, what's the, the other point. peak there? Uh, Montgomery.
0: Montgomery peak.
1: And which one's higher? Montgomery's higher, but it's on okay. the California side. Okay. So Montgomery is the 65th highest peak in California, but um, Boundaries, that, which is a sub-peak of Montgomery, is the highest point in um, Nevada. So so you pe- got the
0: highest point in Nevada. We
1: got the highest point in Nevada. You bagged that
0: one. How come you guys didn't go, out, go after Montgomery?
1: Because Boundary kicked our asses pretty good. <laughs> okay.
0: but oh, you made it to the top of that yeah, one? Yeah, we got
1: to the top. And, and can,
0: you can obviously see that peak from the top of... Um, yeah, you
1: can see it. But at that point, when... Like, it was interesting with Boundary because we started the hike and, you know, go up. And from our camp, there was like a pretty um, steep... Incline, So we get up and then we're kind of going through this like nice little meadowy area and there's like wild horses, all this cool stuff. And you're like, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be bad at all. You know, I'm feeling pretty, we're feeling pretty hot stuff here. And then we get to this base and it's just like this. And it's like, oh shit. Okay. So we'll go up and then it should chill out again. So we got up and then there was another one. And then another one, it just was seriously steep.
0: So just like these false peaks, like, yeah, oh, they're, they're, oh
1: no, oh, we got another and one. And you do the ridge for a second. And you're like, okay, this is, like, oh, God, here's another one. And so when we finally got to the, my friend Blake and I, when I finally got to the Scrabble, because Blake, I'm just, I'm not going to lie, he's a friend since high school, and that dude's in way better shape than me. He used to run, like, full marathons. He's done Boston twice. The guy's a total beast. And so I'm kind of, like, sitting behind eating shit. And then when I got to the top, I didn't even realize I was at the top. And then he's like, hey, dude, we made it. And you see the little placard? I was like, oh, good, thank God.
0: Cause You're just looking down at your feet, just one in front of the other, right? Yeah,
1: I just wanted to cry like a little girl. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to do this again.
0: So is it a good view from the top?
1: Oh, it's pretty sweet because once I caught my breath and I was like, okay, yeah, we made it. You get that adrenaline rush and you take the pictures, you know, because if it's not on Facebook, it didn't happen. Right.
0: You didn't give me any pictures of you at the top of the peaks, though. Yeah. Well. So maybe none of this happened. I don't know. I could be making it up. You could be. Did you put it on Facebook? I, I checked your Facebook. You don't have shit on there.
1: Ah, yeah, I probably didn't. But yeah. Blake's got the photos. I'll, I'll, I'll verify later.
0: Okay. So, so tell me more. Like this, this looks like one of the most bleak peaks I've ever seen. It doesn't look like there's anything up there. Like, are those just like bushes? Like, is this a beautiful hike up or what? Like, what's the
1: Well, the wild horses were cool, and the meadows were cool, but the further up you go, nothing grows. So, there were just, it was just rocks.
0: So, this is just like a desolate, desolate peak up there, but wild horses, that's pretty.
1: It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But the view was amazing, because once you got up to the top, I mean, you can see everything. And then, of course, there are the other peaks, like Montgomery, which I'm actually, my brother wants to climb Boundary. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll do it because then I just got to go an extra 45-minute hike and then I can bag Montgomery, which is the 65th highest.
0: How far is it to, so it's 45 minutes from the top of boundary to get over to Montgomery?
1: The way I hike it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that
0: like a scramble? Like, what does that look like?
1: I think there's a trail. Yeah. But, I mean, trail's a very amorphous word.
0: Fairly well marked or no?
1: I mean, it's kind of marked, but you know, you have to watch for stuff.
0: So, how how do you end up finding Boundary Peak as like the? I mean, I guess you could just look at, you know, a list of the biggest peaks in California. But how do you how do you decide on Boundary? It was just close close to Whitney, and
1: it was basically yeah. It was um, we couldn't do Whitney, and Blake and I wanted to do something for that summer. We wanted to have a nice, you know, I will try to do like one big adventure a year. We well, Blake and I try to do one adventure a year, and so we're like, let's just do Boundary. Okay. And the logistics for it are a lot easier because there's no permit. It's basically, you get on the internet and it's like, drive down this road. There's an old whorehouse right here from the 90s. Turn this way, drive up. There's the ruins of a um, hotel, the Boundary Hotel or something. You go up, and then you just camp. And oh, wow.
0: So there used to be a hotel up there. What was the hotel Oh, no, the hotel's
1: about. on the freeway or the oh, okay. road going up. And so it's just ruins. But once you go up the road, which is well marked, because there's a lot of mining that happened back there in the 1800s,
0: thus the hotels and the whorehouses.
1: Well, yeah, I think the whorehouses were more for truckers in the 1990s, but gross. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. But it's all ruined, and you go in, so the ruins are there. You can walk around and look at stuff. So if you like going through old buildings, it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, it was cool. And then the cool part is you're in boundary. You're in Nevada, so California gun laws don't apply, so you can go up. You can shoot at 9,000 feet, do whatever you want.
0: You, you guys do any shooting on that trip?
1: Yeah, we took, but we took a pellet gun because we are in California. and
0: That's sweet. So yeah. you made it to Nevada where, where you could shoot anything you want and you yeah, busted out the pellet a, gun? Yeah, yeah, I
1: still took a damn daisy. All right. Yeah. I don't know about that
0: one. Yeah. So, okay. So after Boundary Peak, what did you, what did you set your sights on next?
1: Well, then we still had the summer. So then I think the next one we knocked out after that was, um, we did, um, baldy we came back and knocked out baldy so that's
0: mount san antonio yeah um baldy baldy's pretty sweet because it's it's so close to los angeles right oh, yeah i think we got a really cool picture of mount baldy we can pop up there now uh if you live in la you've probably never seen that view of baldy no. but if you've got a good telephoto lens and you get to the right spot there it is it's towering over there so that's at uh 10,046 feet right yeah that's pretty big
1: yeah it was pretty cool i mean it's that one a lot of people do and so if you're in pretty good condition you can knock it out but it's still something you need to be prepared for you shouldn't just like hop off the couch after like eating doritos and playing video games and hike it right
0: and i hear i hear people die on baldy i hear like a couple people a year die up there what Um, do you think that's about
1: well, I mean, it's well trafficked, so there are a lot of people. So, you know, when you have a lot of people doing things, are going someone's going to get hurt. And again, it's one of those where I think people feel it's really dialed in, and you just because of so many people do it that they make a right. mistake.
0: Easy peasy, right? Yeah, just just, just walk up. Mm-hmm. Most of the, I mean, you do. Is it um, is it technical or is it mostly hiking? Maybe a little bit of scrambling. What's the deal?
1: Um a lot of it's it's like just extreme hiking so it's just an in, like i like it cuz it's an endurance thing for yourself so for me i like to feel tired when i've done something if i've been successful so it's just basically endurance right. and you just hike and then you know you start getting tired and start thinking of other stuff and then you know as you go up higher the air gets a little thinner and, you know, I, but I like it. I like waking up the next day feeling like I've been beaten up right. and I'm like, God, I did something. It's, it's cool. like
0: that good soreness, right? Yeah.
1: It's like good soreness. Yeah. Now the first time we didn't meet Whitney, that was just bad soreness. That was just like, ugh.
0: Yeah. So, so we got some pictures of Baldy here. <laughs> we got some pictures of the danger on Baldy, I think. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's look at this picture real quick. That doesn't look as impressive, right? No. <laughs> so I think that's Baldy Bowl. I hear a lot of people ski down that. Um, let's see, let's see another picture. You got one with snow there. I think they're all in that same location there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was go
0: back one. Let's pop that up. Yeah. Yeah. That one. So that looks a little bit different, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at these guys and they've, they've got, um, they've got hiking poles, backpacks, and it looks like they got ice axes. Mm -hmm. So what? This is Devil's Backbone.
1: Mm-hmm. Did
0: you hike across that?
1: We did that one. The, fir- the first time we did Baldy, we did that one. Yeah. And, but it wasn't, there wasn't any snow we was did it, in the summer. Do we have a
0: picture of the, the, the no snow Devil's Backbone? There it is. Yeah. Wow, that's gorgeous. Yeah. But that looks, that looks like there's a lot of exposure on the left and right there if you, uh, if you take a tumble down that, especially if there's snow.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is you have to be prepared for any type of outdoor event. So it's just like people go to Death Valley, don't bring enough water, bad things happen. When you're, when you're hiking, especially like on these like backbones and ridges, you need to have situational awareness because if you're not paying attention, then something could happen. And it's usually, usually mistakes are made by people who, you know, they're just, they get too comfortable. So I don't get comfortable.
0: Yeah. So if you're standing on that backbone right there, you're, uh you're making sure that you don't fall off the edge.
1: Yeah, I'm making sure that I don't fall off the edge and it's probably because of the military training, but when I go with people, I'm kind of aware of what they're doing as well. So there's an accountability factor because I mean, you don't want to go up and do something and have a buddy get hurt. So you right. you need to be aware of what you're doing and what everybody in the party's doing as well.
0: Yeah. So 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 Mount Baldy's close. Is it, you've done that one a couple times it sounds yeah, twice. like. Yeah. Is it worth it every time? Have you done it in the snow yet? Do you want to do it in the snow?
1: Um, I grew up in northern Utah, so I'm kind of cool with any type of snow adventures now. I've had my snow fill. I mean, I was a Boy Scout, and their idea of fun when I was growing up was, hey, it's winter. Let's go dig a hole in the snow and sleep in it. And I was like, okay, I'm cool. So that's
0: it. You're moving out to California, you're going to take advantage of the nice yeah, weather and nice everything? Nice weather,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm not adverse to doing it in the snow, but I haven't really thought about it yet, so... Maybe, yeah. should, maybe we should get a group from the club and we should all do it. You That'd know, I've cool. s-
0: I spent a lot of time up on Baldy personally yeah. to do skiing and stuff, and I've been across that backbone, um, but you know what? I've never been to the top of that peak.
1: Oh, dude, we should do it. Yeah, probably. We should get a group from the club and we should all just go do it.
0: Yeah, it look <laughs> it looks sweet, especially you know that picture of you know LA in the background, mm-hmm. the snow cap. Like every time I see that mountain and it has a bunch of snow on it, I get excited and I want to get up there. It's so close. But, you know, it's crazy. Like, you're right. You, you have to respect it. You always got to be on guard because just because this thing is close to Los Angeles doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Yeah.
1: Right? Well, and that's the thing, too. There's You don't want to be risk-adverse, but you want to be risk-aware. Risk-adverse is, oh, it's dangerous. I don't know if I should do it. It's like, okay, these are the risks. And then when you, when you set up your plan... Oh, I mean, you know this from the military. You set up your plan. How do we mitigate these risks so they're not as intense? So the Army, they call it composite risk management. So this is something that could be dangerous. So this is what we're going to do to lessen the danger. This is something that could be dangerous. This is something we're going to do to lessen the danger. I mean, even as something as simple as, oh, we're having a class right now. Oh, if there's a fire, these are the exits. Oh, we have cords here. Don't trip over them. So if you're going to do Baldy in the winter or any other peak, be ready for ice. Be ready for snow. Have the right um, proper equipment. Let people know where you're going. I mean, cell phones don't always work when you're out and about. Um, have a schedule. That if you're not back, people know something's going to happen. Um, be aware that if you're with a group and somebody gets injured, what's your plan to get somebody injured off the mountain? What are you going to do? Do you have the right um, first aid equipment? Cause, I mean, you're not going right. to do brain surgery up there, but, I mean, you need to have something.
0: Sure. I always, on top of that i always use like the three strikes rule mm-hmm. which is you know you you make your plan and you you you, you plan on the risks and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you know them but then when you're out uh you know if something goes wrong or not according to plan and you have to pivot right mm-hmm. that's fine that's one strike that's one right if you pivot again you're like oh you know this day starting to get bad that's two but if it's a third strike you're like nope we're done because, you know, you're kind of your, your whole risk assessment is out the window at that point And you're kind of like on the fly. And I think when people are on the fly, that's when that's when they fall off that devil's backbone and slide to their desk. And that's right? why
1: we cut Whitney, because we had a one day pass. Mm-hmm. So we had started late. I mean, we were rookies. We hadn't really ever done any high altitude. that was me and my brother. And again, my friend Blake. And it took longer than we thought. We started late. And then by the time we got a little past the 12,000 foot mark, when we do doing the switchbacks, it was starting to get dark. And it's like, you know, this takes me out of my comfort level to try to do the rest of this, another 2,000 feet, and then have to come down the same day at night. So we called it, went back, and we still didn't get off the mountain until like 1 a.m. Right. But, and so. Which, it,
0: not getting off the mountain, that's, that's past midnight, so you're hiking in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was probably a good call.
1: Yeah, it was a solid call. I don't regret the call. I regret not preparing better before, but then that's lessons learned. I right, so now you know. Yeah. You know,
0: you have hiked Whitney. You have mm-hmm. done it successfully, and you're not dead. Yeah. So I think that that's something to be said. So um, after Baldy, what, what was your next big one?
1: Oh, uh, We hit San Bernardino.
0: San Bernardino. I'm, I'm not really familiar. I'm familiar with the San Bernardino Mountains. Do we have a picture of Mount San Bernardino Nope, I don't think so. No, but... So it, where, is, where is San Bernardino Peak? It's in that
1: kind of area, like where all the peaks are, like Gregonio, Baldy, all that stuff.
0: Okay, so there's like, you know, there's, there's Highway 10 that goes out to Palm Springs, right? And there's the... I'm there's not a, a California
1: guy, dude. North and
0: south. San Jack's on the south, and Baldy's on the north side, which I, I guess it would be in the, nor- in the northern range.
1: It might be. I, to be perfectly honest with you, I just use Siri, and she tells me where to go. <laughs>
0: and then you go after it? Yeah. So how, how, how tall was uh, San Bernardino?
1: It's over 10,000. Okay. And that one, if memory serves, we were trying to do a different peak. And then I think we were going to do Gregorio or something. I can't remember, but we couldn't do it because that was when they were having all those big wildfires. So we're like, okay, San Bernardino's here, we're at the ranger station, we're figuring it all out. So we just kind of went up the trail. And I think we probably hit it. I know we hit some peaks, because we got lost as hell.
0: You got lost on your way to the peak?
1: Yeah, we were just wandering around. So we got up to the ridge, and we're hiking, and we're going back and forth. And again, it was Blake and I, I don't know what
0: the hell we were doing. So were you on a trail at this point, or were you like off trail, just... (laughs) <laughs> this is a trail. Let's see where it goes.
1: Yeah, we we're just kind of freeballing it after a while. All so right. It didn't go as well as it could have. But we got to the top of something.
0: And you're so. pretty sure it was over
1: 10,000 <coughs> 10, feet? Oh, yeah, I know we were over 10,000 feet. And then what we were doing is because once we got to the top of the ridge, we were hiking till we couldn't really go any higher and then coming back down and then going up a different way. Okay. But I mean, I don't have a lot of ego. It was kind of a shit show.
0: Right, so this is the this is time you got lost, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, so you were all
0: over the place, up in the mountains. We knew we
1: were in the mountains. We knew we were in Southern California. And we knew if we hiked back down, we'd find the car eventually.
0: Yeah, that is true. If you're on top of a mountain and you hike down, generally you will not be on the mountain anymore. Yeah.
1: But, um, but we hit a bunch of like little peaks along the way. so Because we spent a good hour like doing the ridge back and forth. All right. And so... That was pretty... It was fun. I mean, we had a good time.
0: So what was your next big one?
1: The next big one after that was... It was training for the next year because that was late summer. And then we pulled we pulled permits for Whitney.
0: Well, what about Telescope Peak? When did that happen after Whitney? That
1: happened Whitney? after we nagged, nabbed Whitney. Okay,
0: so let's talk about the big one then. Mount Whitney. Can we bring that back up? Yeah, let's look at that picture from the Eastern Sierras. Yeah. yeah this is amazing. So the Eastern Sierras there... Uh, do you know where Whitney is in there? I can't. I can't really see it. Maybe it's on the right.
1: It's the big one.
0: It's the big one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know that valley comes up mm-hmm. into the Sierras and Mount Whitney, um, some fourteen thousand feet.
1: For, yeah, fourteen thousand five hundred five. I want to say. Now, how
0: does that? Uh, how does that compare to other mountains in the world?
1: It's not bad. It's so Whitney's the highest peak in the contiguous um, forty-eight states. So. Uh, Hawaii I want to say has 213,000 footers and then Alaska has is just crazy stupid with peaks and Denali is the largest one or okay. Mount McKinley whatever they want so to call it So as far as
0: as far as highest points that you can hike
1: in, 48 in the 48 United States, states 48 the states. lower 48 Mhm
0: Mount Whitney's the the tallest
1: Yeah you don't get any bigger
0: All right so 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 you made it this time right Yeah so we so made you it po- that time So how many you know, you said you had to pull permits for this. Um, do they only like, I guess it's a popular hike. They only let so many people up a year.
1: Yeah, they only let so many. They have permits, so they have day permits. So if you want to run it in, like, under 24 hours, you can do that. And so what we did was we got a camping permit. So we went up to the 12,000-foot mark, slept overnight, and then we took Bagley Peak that next day, and then we hiked all the way down.
0: All right so you so you backpacked up and then you know you left you left some gear and then yeah you went up there
1: yeah and like in the guys that well i travel pretty light anyway because i don't want to carry gear right i'm sure
0: anything's light if you're not carrying like a gun and a bunch of ammunition and
1: yeah if you're not doing your combat load yeah for sure you know wear body armor right but like i tend not to get hungry so I always come back with extra food. So I've kind of parsed down on how much food I have. And I would rather take... For me, I take more water. Right. So
0: So, is there... Like when you're hiking Whitney, is there not water available that you can purify or you have to, you have to hike everything up?
1: Um, there's water you can purify, but I just... I'm not really down with it. It's just easier to bring my own. And then if we need to, so we can purify it. My friend's got a... Blake's got a water purifier, but we never really had a water issue. Cuz the other thing is I don't really get that thirsty when I'm hiking. I hydrate a lot before. So about a week before I'll be slamming Gatorade and drinking water. Like my piss is crystal clear, which is an indicator of hydration. So Or maybe you're just a robot. Yeah, I'm just a machine. Yeah, no That's food.
0: Almost- I don't really need food. I don't really need water, so to speak. I just kind of kind of hike and hike and hike. Well, maybe- just just cigarettes and Jack Daniels, right?
1: Kinda, yeah, because I did take a ba- bottle. <laughs> I did take a bottle of Jack up there, and I did have a drink when I got to the top. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, little goes a long way at that altitude, huh?
1: Oh yeah, I felt pretty lightheaded to begin with, so it was. So a did, did long. anything
0: go wrong on that hike? Like fourteen thousand, like you're getting into that range where you know if you're susceptible to alcohol sickness, you can kind of get.
1: Like um, how was that? Like, so when we hit the camp at twelve thousand, we you know we set up camp and stuff. we were pretty tired. And it was interesting because there was a lot of snow on there that year. So we hiked through this like like snow field, and the further up we were going, there was more snow. And when we got to our camp, we set up our tent and stuff. It seriously felt like my right arm was falling asleep the whole time.
0: This was in your tent at night?
1: Yeah, I was lying there, my right arm's going numb. And I'm like, well, if it's my left arm, it's a heart attack. So it's not that. It's my right arm. Stroke. Maybe, or I'm just being a little bitch.
0: So you just nodded off to
1: sleep. So I just kind of went to sleep, and I'm like, oh, hopefully, I'll wake up. if I wake up, I wake up. But I mean, I wasn't too worried, and I had a bit of a headache. And then my friend Blake, he always gets a headache when he goes, and but and we're both kind of like oh, not feeling it too much. And then the next morning, I woke up, and I was like, damn, I'm ready to go. And he was like, yeah, let's do this.
0: What time did you start from that camp?
1: Like seven thirty in the morning.
0: Is that like early or like, is it light out or what?
1: It was light. And so we did the hike and it was, it was amazing. We did the, it's like the 96 switchbacks or whatever, where you're going this way and this way and this way and this way. And it was pretty sweet. And it, I don't remember feeling any discomfort on the way up. It was just like an amazing hike. It was an amazing experience. It's like, oh, I got that. And like Blake's a beast. So he's like a good hundred yards ahead of me. Cause he goes super fast and I'm just hiking, going around doing the hike. And then there's a little rock hut at the top of Whitney. And so I'm kind of like, okay, we're going, we're going. And then when I saw the rock hut, I was like, damn, I made it. And then, and of course the rock hut's like a lot further away than I thought it was. So now I'm just like, God, how far is this son of a bitch? And so I finally got there and I actually felt bad for this kid on the trail. Cause like there was this kid hiking with his mother and he was just, this kid was eating shit. And his mom's just, he's like 17, 18. His mom's like late 30s, early 40s. And she's just hammering him. Come on, we only got this much further. Let's go, let's go. I'm like, damn, you should have been on Paris Island, girl. <laughs> she was tearing his ass out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that
0: like, says so, so something about being in shape, right? Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and then I got to the top and I was just, it felt good. And then I think I was a little, well, Probably like I had a shot of Jack. That probably wasn't a good idea. But when we were like hiking down, Blake went ahead and then I went. And I got a little disoriented on the hike down, but I finally found the trail after wandering around for probably like 35 minutes.
0: So, how well marked are these trails when you do these big peaks? Like, how are like at some point, you know, if, if it's dirt, you can see the, the, the path worn in the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. But once you get up into the rocky area, it's kind of harder to see, like how do they mark the trails?
1: Well, there's trails and there are people there. So, and you can see the trails, but in some areas it's like, if you have a pointed, like a fixed point, you just kind of hike towards it. So like, you know, you're going to hit the top because you see the cabin, which is like the little little hut up there. So you just kind of aim towards that. And then there's a well done trail. But when we left, like I said, I wasn't paying attention, which is never good because I'm a dumbass. And then So it took me a while to get back on the trail. I kind of went off the other end and walked for a minute and then came around and then came back up. And I was actually, okay, screw this. So I walked back up to the hut. And then when some other people were leaving, I just kind of followed with them because at that point, I was a little disoriented.
0: Yeah. You know, I joked earlier about um, saying like, yeah, you know, if you just keep going down, you'll get off the mountain. But there are good ways to get off the mountain and bad ways and probably impossible ways. Like throw that graphic back up of the Mount Whitney summit like you know looking at that I don't see how you get there without climbing right but that's that there's you said that there's a trail so there's some way uh, mm-hmm. off the back or something but obviously yeah. you can't come down that face no right so getting lost on these even coming down you know that that can be a pretty sticky situation
1: yeah and but and there's a lot of nice drops on Whitney. I mean, it's a beautiful hike. I recommend it to anybody. Just do some conditioning. It's, it's like a lot of things. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to do that. Or I'd really like to do that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, if you just get in shape and conditioning, you can do it. I mean, pretty much, personally, I don't think there's anything you can't. Anything that the mind conceives, the body can achieve. And it's just how much do you want to do something? So, you know, if you want to sit around and eat like Pringles and Ho-Hos, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to do a lot of cool stuff. But, you know, if you want to work out and stay fit, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, do your three-mile run, stuff like that, run some half marathons, condition yourself, you can pretty much do any of this. Yeah.
0: Now, have you ever thought about doing the John Muir Trail? You familiar with that? My
1: brother wants to do that, and he's uh, he's on. Do it. we
0: have a picture of that up there? Yeah, there's a, there's the um, John Muir Trail. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So, for those of you who don't know, it starts in um, Yosemite, Tuolumne T- T- Meadows, and it goes all the way down that ridge, and it ends at um, Whitney, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you need need a permit for that, do you? If do you, know. If you hike the big one, like. The John Muir Trail isn't the big one. I think it's a couple hundred miles, right? Yeah. It's a big trail. It's not the biggest trail.
1: Yeah, it's not like the Pacific it's that, Trail it's, or whatever. It's
0: part, I, I think some of the Pacific Crest Trail may intersect with it.
1: Yeah, but you're not starting in like Washington or some shit and like walking this coast of the United States, I don't think. Right,
0: but I mean that, man, you know, that's something that I've always wanted to do. Looking at, looking at what that hits, going through the Yosemite Valley yeah. and through that Eastern Sierra, you know, we saw it. With all that snow covered and then ending at Whitney, the highest point in the lower 48.
1: And see, that's another one. Like, we should probably just get a group of guys here and knock it out. Yeah. That seems
0: like a legit trip. That'd be a lot of fun.
1: That'd be pretty sweet.
0: You know, I kind of, you know, I don't want to put it off for like 15 years, but I kind of want to do that with my boy. Well, I just have to do it twice. Yeah, do it twice. That's fine.
1: Yeah, you can rerun it. All right. Um, and actually, when your son gets old enough, we should, I mean, if, if you're down, we should look at who the youngest person was to ever climb Whitney and see if we can- Yeah, and that. make my
0: son the youngest person to climb Whitney? Sure, I'm down. How, yeah, yeah. Let's start, let's, let's start him off with a solid base, right, yeah. of adventure. Youngest person to, to climb, climb Whitney, Whitney, Jack Mayfield, and that's going to happen sometime- In the next six years. I don't know if a six-year-old can climb Mount Whitney-
1: no, that's not any six-year-old, dude. It's your six-year-old, okay. we'll train
0: him. Well, we'll see, we'll see who the youngest is and knock off a couple years, and then we'll train him, and we'll get up there. We'll do it. So, so we, that's the big one, right? This is like mm-hmm. the climax, and now the denouement. We're going to talk about tele, Telescope Peak, right? Yeah. Telescope Peak rises out of Death Valley, right? Yeah. And it, it's uh, 11,000 feet. There it is. <coughs> oh, my God. Just like straight out of Death Valley.
1: Yeah. And up. And it's a sweet hike. That so, one was fun. Yeah,
0: so so that's got does it, it in terms of prominence, like you can go from theoretically a lowest place in the lower forty eight, mm-hmm. right to, to, to 11, Telegraph, 000, yeah. and and what's significant about that rise?
1: It's just something you can do. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about it when we did it. I had just heard Telescope Peak was cool, and I'm like, oh, I haven't really done an eleven thousand foot peak, and the name sounded fun. So then I talked to my boy, and he was like, Yeah, let's do it. So we did it. And then we hiked it, and then we got to go down to Death Valley. So we hit the 11,000 feet point. And we actually did it the summer we did Whitney. So it was that year, that summer, we were at the highest point in the 48 and then the lowest point in the 48. But Telescope Peak was a fun hike all the way around. What's
0: better, the lowest point or the highest point?
1: Well, the lowest point was the easiest.
0: <laughs> but, it's an all-downhill hike, all-downhill all Jeep ride probably until, yeah.
1: until you. It, it was cool, but the fun part about Telescope Peak was that's actually when I found treasure. Okay.
0: Well, let's let's throw up this picture of uh, Telescope. This is looking out from Telescope Peak, I think, in yeah, Death Valley? Yeah, you can Valley. see Whitney. And that's Whitney?
1: Man. You, I don't know if that for sure is Whitney, but you can see Whitney from there. You can see all the ridges from up there but if you
0: aren't prepared that just looks like a whole lot of places to die there death valley whitney kinda just bleak
1: yeah well the telescope it was cool but that did have some sides that like again if you're not paying attention but i mean what do you mean well so we were on this one portion of the hike and i guess i'll tell you about the treasure we found sure so we're hiking in my um from Blake, he's like, we stop and he's like, points down the side of the mountain and it's just all like shale and nasty and stuff. And it's pretty steep. He's like, I see a bag down there. And I'm looking and I'm like, I see it. And he's like, what do you think it is? And I was like, probably somebody dropped their lunch because it looked like one of those like little lunch bags. And so I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go get it. At first I was like, do you want to go get it? Cause he saw it first. So I'm like, you want to go get it? And he's like, Nah, I don't think so. And For I'm like, someone
0: that's never hungry, like you're going after a lunch bag, like you're diving off the side of this mountain whoops. to to you know skid down the shale. Well, it's like um, the first
1: Dirty Harry when he's like, I got to know was it five or six? I mean, I got to know what's in this bag,
0: right? And that that's this bag here, just so everybody yeah. like like okay, so so there's treasure in this 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 shitty bag that you the, yeah so, you saw this this so this. we're
1: seeing it from this point right here, okay, and so. He's like, I give him my binoculars and he's like gonna look at it and I'm just like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna go down and get it. So it was one of, like it was vertical enough that I was on all fours going backwards. And as I get closer, I see the Sony on it. And then I'm like, hey dude, and Blake had seen it with the binoculars. He's like, dude, that's a camera bag. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I get down there and I pick up the bag, and I don't know if the film's going to show it, but you can see where it was covered in, um, away from the sun, and then it's all faded and nasty, so I'm like, well, oh, whatever, and then it's going to be all jacked up. But still, finding stuff's cool. So I wrap it around my neck, and then like a dog, I'm like going on all fours back up. And this was actually the hardest part of the whole hike. Like, this thing, this part kicked my ass, and I'd only gone down like maybe... 60 70 feet and so i scramble to the top and we're like dude let's see what's in it so we pop it out and i'm like getting all excited but i'm also kind of like i don't think this is going to work out so well oh here's my adventures flag from the last adventure i took so that
0: wasn't it. that would
1: have been that would have been cool oh, yeah but then oh, i would have had, had some, to give the camera back oh, that's a nice camera <laughs> yeah so and the camera's like in beautiful shape and so i'm like wow okay cool so the battery's obviously dead so what we did was we, I just carried it with me. We went back, did the, hit the peak, had lunch, hung out, had a couple cigarettes because I'm dirty like that, and then we went back down and um, juiced up the camera when we got to the campsite. Worked fine. So then, because I'm fairly honest. Started going through the photos to see if we could identify anyone in the photos. Because if we actually saw a picture, then we could put it up. And all we did was just scenes. And, but the scenes were dated from, we, went, we did this one in 2018. And the last picture was taken in March of 2017. So that camera had sat there for over a year on the mountain through that heavy snows and rains and stuff. Wow, worked fine. So,
0: so Telegraph does
1: get snow and rain up there. Oh yeah, they get they get weather, and so we found the so found the camera. And Blake's like, oh, I already he has a high speed camera. So I'm like, well, dude, you don't need a camera. My broke ass needs a camera. So yeah, you're the one that
0: scrambled down sixty feet to get it off the trail. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like,
1: he's like, yeah, dude, you need a camera. So I took it, and then I did get on some of the climbing sites on Facebook and stuff, and was like, has anyone lost a camera? No one said anything. So. Hey, if anybody's watching and you lost a camera on Telescope Peak, I got your shit, so just give me a call. There you go. (laughs) And you can have it back.
0: Well, I mean, it's just a bunch of scenes, right? Yeah, there were
1: no people in
0: it. They probably got a new camera and then just took those pictures again.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of crummy for them. I mean, cool for me, but like I said, I tried to find out who owned it, but there was no paperwork or anything. And the instructions for it were all, like, nasty and disgusting. They'd all gotten wet. It was on the exterior.
0: I don't know, man. To tell you the truth, if I was on a mountain with my friend mm-hmm. and he dropped his camera and I went, went and got him, it for him yeah. 60 feet down, I might be like, yeah, I'm not giving you your camera back. He could be standing right there and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm the one that made that climb to get your camera. Yeah, you're the one that dropped stuff.
1: it. But no, I mean, it was cool, but it's, it's back to just like when I knew there was a bag there, I had to know what was in the bag. It was like this compulsion. right? And it's like I just... I probably would not be able to sleep at night to this day if I would not have gone down, picked up the bag, and brought it back up to see what was in it. And if it would have been like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something nasty, it still, for me, would have been exciting because I found a bag. Right. But, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you see something out there, you know, there's nothing, right? Yeah. There's nothing. And then all of a sudden you see something that's human-made. And I think, you know, in in the cities, we're kind of, you know, you just step over it. You're like, eh, there's some piece of trash. Mm-hmm. But when it's outside, you know, you gotta know. You gotta know.
1: And so, this camera is actually something I've used for other adventures. Yeah. So when we did Southern Utah last year, because we did like an extreme hike up to Angel Arch, in one of the in one of the parks, and I did a presentation for the club on that. But it took, takes great pictures.
0: You remember? Do you remember that? Um that scene from Indiana Jones, I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. where they're sitting in the bar in Cairo, and the German guy uh, Belosh, Belik, yeah, right. He's like, "Look at this watch. I bought it in the market for for, <laughs> for like you know five marks or whatever. Bury it in the sand for a thousand years, it's and it's a priceless. Priceless artifact, right? Yeah. So,
1: and that's what I. Like you got to
0: look for that stuff, right? Um, if you're out there.
1: Well, and then another hike. Um, my friend Blake found, like, a $90 pair of reband, or um, I think rebands of sunglasses. Ray bands Yeah, people need to take care of their... That's one thing. Okay, so public service announcement. When you're hiking and going out, take care of your shit. Don't lose it. Pay attention to what you're doing. Because if not, you're going to lose it and you're going to be sad. Because we found knives, all sorts of stuff, hiking.
0: Yeah, leave no trace, right? Yeah, leave
1: no trace, especially expensive gear.
0: Right. And I'll add to that, too... Uh... Public service announcement. If you have a piece of gear and you're tired of carrying it because it's too heavy, um, leaving it on the trail is not acceptable. No. Right. It's not like, oh, uh, I'm going to leave this for someone else and they can have it. They don't want your trash. Right. If you don't want it, nobody else is going to want it either. So, you know, if you carry a piece of gear in, don't think that you're helping someone out by leaving it, you need to take it off.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm always surprised at how much stuff people like lose. So when we, first of all, when we hike, if there's trash, we hike it out. That's good. Because, I mean, you know, woodsy, i give a hoot, don't pollute all that good trash. But I'm always just surprised at just how much stuff, like how much gear is adrift in hiking areas. So, you know, take care of your stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's back to having a plan. Have a loadout for your backpack. Have a loadout if you're just doing a day pack or whatever. And be accountable for your gear. And then again, that's probably the um, Army NCO and me saying, hey, don't lose your shit.
0: I mean, I, I, all the military branches, they're like, here's all your shit. Yeah. You have to keep track of all of it. Don't lose any of it. And then mm-hmm. day one, they're just basically making sure you never leave anything. And, you know, you're leaving your canteen or whatever. What? And, you know, they're just drilling it.
1: Oh, and I'm obsessed yeah. with it i don't think everybody
0: has that training right no and so so, yeah
1: to be fair so yeah
0: and to to tell you the truth i've i've lost it over the years like i'll leave stuff placed and i'll be like oh man this is bad like (laughs) you know if my detailer saw this and knew that i left my whatever behind they'd be pissed off you know
1: yeah i and i'm like pretty obsessive with gear but also too And just talking about gear in general, like, you don't, for these hikes, for just about any type of adventure, you don't need, like, expensive top-of-the-line gear. So, like, a lot of stuff I use is military surplus, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's like, hey, military grade, so it was built by the lowest bidder, first of all. It's heavy. And it's heavy, but, I mean, it works, and it's cheap. Right. So, for guys just getting in, you know... Surplus military gear is pretty legit. The other thing is, like, hit up garage sales and stuff. You can find good gear. You don't have to have the most expensive REI gear when you're out doing adventures.
0: So, so if for someone that wants to get into this, you know, what, what kind of gear do you really like? Say say you're doing well. Say you're doing Whitney, right? It's mm-hmm. the, the biggest mountain in the lower forty-eight states, right? Mm-hmm. What do you need? What, what gear that I wouldn't have as a normal person would I need to hike Whitney?
1: I hiked Whitney in ACU, which is a, like the kind of grayish colored Army uniform pants. You know what okay. I'm talking about? The trousers? So you need, to, you need
0: to take pants.
1: Yeah, you need pants. Okay, you need so pants. I, check. You're, you're going to get cold. So get I Donald just Duncan. wore those. And then I had a pair of um, Army boots that, were, that I just wore with the military. And they had gotten beat up to the point where they were no longer serviceable, so I wore those. So
0: you need shoes and pants.
1: Yeah, so I wore Army boots, I had my ACU bottoms, and then I wore, actually I wore, a, um. what is those, armor, you know the... Under armor? Under armor t-shirt, a, gray, a sure. green one that I got when when the Marine Corps took us to... Iraq in 0405, they gave us Under Armour t-shirts and I still had it. So I wore that. And then I had a just a hat.
0: None of that sounds like specialized gear.
1: Like no, if it, I didn't have Under
0: Armour, I could probably just wear a, a t-shirt.
1: Yeah. And I, I had a... You um, don't still, have to buy Under Armour. No, you don't. And I just had it because it was free. Was like, it one I, of those tight fit, like super tight fitting? Oh yeah. I left nothing to the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that's what I wore. And you know, but you'll see people tricked out with all sorts of gear. But for me, I like to go light. And I like to go with just what I have. And then I had, a, um, I had a backpack that I had purchased when I got back from Afghanistan that I use for assorted military stuff. stuff. Yeah. Are you a hiking pole guy? Yeah, I did have a hiking pole. But even that, like... Single hiking pole, double double single, trek pole? Yeah. Single, and it's just kind of cool. It moves you forward. And then I had um, a hydration system. When we did the summit, we left the backpacks behind and um, just had, like, the camelbacks. Mm -hmm. And that was, again, that was something the Marine Corps gave us in 0405 for Iraq. So, like, I didn't buy any specialized gear. And I just had regular socks.
0: So the number one thing, not gear, gear shouldn't hold you
1: back. No, gear should definitely not hold you back. So what do you think the number one thing is that people need to do to hike Whitney? Want to. Just if you want to, again, if you want to do stuff, just, you know, do it. Just build up and do it. Um, before, we did our, before we did Whitney, I'd read about other people who did Whitney. And then there's like do's and don'ts. Um, just for hiking in general. I read what people had done. I did a little research. And then when I was conditioning, like going to Griffith Park and doing hikes, doing some assorted hikes around Los Angeles, like six, 7,000 feet and stuff, I saw what worked and what didn't work for me. And so, okay, now I need this much water. Boundary peak, we ran out of water on the way down. That sucked. So it told me, okay, I need to carry more water. Um, I don't need a lot of food. So I don't waste time with a lot of food. But again, that's just me. Some people might get super hungry and not consume a lot of water. Um, Staying hydrated, conditioning. That's way more important than like the gear you're gonna use.
0: So you need to pay attention, you know, do, some, do some hikes to prep, pay yeah. attention, see what works, see what doesn't work, and, and basically tune in your...
1: And definitely know your body. Yeah. Know your body and condition. Stretch, work out, do the things you need to do. Anybody can... A lot of people are held back from doing cool things because they get it in their little brain housing group that, oh, it's harder. it's difficult. And now I'm going to go back to John Goddard when he talked to us at the, in junior high when I was a kid in the early 80s. He was sitting there with a list, his life list, his goals that he had set up, that he was working through, and he was basically saying anyone can have adventure if they want to have adventure. So if you're not going out and testing yourself, because that's really what adventure is. uh, At least in my definition. If you're not testing yourself and taking yourself out of your comfort level, then that's on you. And if you're going to be one of those people who are like, well, you know, I wanted to, but anything after but is bullshit. Yeah. In my opinion. Now, other people might feel the same way, so... Well, I think we, we know it's true. Yeah. So if anyone thinks I'm an asshole, you can put it in the comments. So take
0: a drink of that, Jack. And what we'd like to do now is we'd like to take some questions online. Andy, I'm assuming some people have engaged with us, I hope. <coughs> uh, do, we have any, uh, do we have any questions from the online crowd there that we'd like to field?
2: Well, we wait for the questions to move in. We do have a few shout-outs. Uh, oh, cool. Matt Nadu says, what's up, Brian? Big sexy. Yeah, he ain't lying. Uh, Steve Lawson says that there is a group photo of about 15 guys, 15 members from when they uh, hiked uh, Mount Baldy for Shane Barry's 70th birthday party. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, that is up. Yeah, actually. And Shane was, well, Steve's an amazing adventurer, and Shane, God rest his soul, was amazing too. Actually, Shane... T- Shane gave me my best advice when I became a club member. What was that? Well, first of all, Shane was an adventurer of the year. You remember Shane. Of course. Awesome guy. He basically said, in a nutshell, we're not the guys who do Everest, but we're the ones who have adventures and keep the club going. And I was just like, damn, that makes, that, wow. We're the ones who keep it going. You might not be doing the coolest stuff or the most extreme, but those guys who just come in and do amazing things, in every year, year after year, and you're just doing stuff, and you're here listening to stories, telling stories. And that really hit me. And I was like, wow. That was when I really realized I was part of a special institution being part of this club.
0: Yeah. That's pretty good advice. Yeah.
2: Real quick, another one, guys. Uh, Thomas Dietz answered our question uh, and says that the youngest Mount Whitney climber was five-year-old Fletcher Flynn, to which uh, Lauren Mayfield responds... Rich could carry Jack in a hiking baby backpack and dethrone <laughs> Fletcher. Let's wait, do so, it. So, Bro, we got to do wait, that. Wait, five
0: years? Yeah, five, five years, years old. Now, did he hike it at five years old, or did he go in the backpack? Because I'll throw that kid in a backpack and go. Dude, I will carry you both
1: up there just to get that record. That Four would be a year
0: old Jack Mayfield is going to climb Mount Whitney in three years and two months.
1: We're doing it, dude. <laughs> okay. So everybody who's been watching this program, you know what we're looking for in the next three and a half years.
0: Yeah. Now, now you got to call us out and, 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 you know, I'll, I'll put it out there right now. Yes. I'm going to do this, right. Which means someone's going to have to pick up this video. If I, if I, if I, if I'm looking like I'm not going to do it, someone's got to pick up this video about six months out and get, get your ass in gear, get in shape, get your kid's ass in shape, and let's do it.
1: I'll go with you, and I'm going to be All able right. to like stink on shit. So yeah, six
0: years it. out, so yeah, we're, we're four years out. It's a long time,
1: so yeah, we can't forget about this. And you're, I've seen your kid running around the club. He's like hella <laughs> he's tough, insane. dude. Yeah,
0: you have any like when we brought him into the club, he was like sleeping half the time. I didn't, like hold him up, and you know, and be like, "This is my kid," and he's like asleep. right? like now.
1: Oh, my God. That guy Dude, is we'll do all this. over the place. Total beast mode. Let's do it.
2: I'm serious. I'm down. That would be awesome. I'm down.
0: Do we have any more questions in the, in the comments section there?
2: Uh, no more questions from the comments, but I do have a question for the comments, which is, uh, what's the biggest peak you've hiked, and uh, how did you feel when you did it? Me or you? Me? For the chat, but uh, if you guys would like to answer, you're more than welcome. Start go ahead, us off. Brian. This is, this is oh, about you.
0: Whitney. So, Whitney's the, Whitney's the tallest
1: one. It's the tallest one. Yeah. Now, I do have other goals, like moving forward, depending on when coronavirus decides to go away. It's kind of kanking everybody's adventures right now. But for this year, I would like to do an 11,000 footer in Utah, Mount Nebo. And I would also like to hit up Kings Peak in Utah, which is a 13er. And actually, Utah has a lot of really nice 13ers to climb. So, Nothing as big as Whitney, though. No, not as big as Whitney, but, you know, it's kind of like I would like to do those and then I would kind of like to hit some other 14ers because Whitney's like, that's the one everybody knows and it's kind of like the sexy boy one. But there are some other 14,000 footers. I'd like to do Shasta. Cause, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that one would definitely take me out of my comfort level because it pretty much has snow full time. Mm-hmm. So that one is definitely on the list. Probably not for this summer, but it is something I'm working up towards.
0: I've heard it's more technical, but I think any of these mountains have like an easy route and a hard route,
1: right? Yeah, and again, if you do the, do the research and practice, I think you're fine. But you know. Hey, if in the comments, anyone who's done Shasta, throw out some information. Nice.
0: All right, well, um, I think that just about wraps it up. Yeah, it Brian, cool. thank you for coming out. No problem. We appreciate you having it, have, having you here. Um, my name is Rich Mayfield from the Adventures Club. Join us next week. We have Rob Quist coming in to nice. talk about his first adventure. And I'm not sure when Rob was born or when Hemingway died, but he might actually be Hemingway reincarnated um, it's real close like I, I can't see much of a difference i didn't know hemingway but i do know rob quist so he's going to be here next week talking about his first adventure it's gonna be very exciting so don't forget to subscribe to our channel click that bell and tune in next week at seven forty-five on thursday to uh see our member rob quist here be thank good you one. very much everyone